Our message today will be based on Mark 2, verses 23 through 3, verse 6, which is found on page 700 of the Bibles under the chair in front of you. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples walked along. They began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing this unlawful, what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even to the Sabbath. Another time Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked him, Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil? to save life or to kill, but they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. He said, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Let's pray for the preaching and reading of our word. Our Lord and our God, you alone are worthy to receive glory and honor and praise. And Lord, we ask in this time to come now as Pastor Matt comes and opens the word to us, Lord, that your spirit would rest upon us, that it would rest upon him, and that you would, uh, you would speak to us through your spirit the words which we need to hear. Lord, we give you thanks for your great goodness to us and ask that you would meet with us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Morning, Pastor Matt. Get to open up God's Word. Maybe share a little bit of my soul and teach how God has ministered to me this week through the Word. Uh, but my life, many weeks, feels like a run-on sentence. I guess if you're an American you probably have felt this too. Um, in the seventh grade English, I was the king of run-on sentences. Those of you who don't remember what a run-on sentence is, it's a sentence with no punctuation, the lack of a comma, or the artistic semicolon, and certainly no periods. Some weeks... We overwork. We kill ourselves at the office. We overdo it at home. And then, strangely enough, there's these seasons where we can't motivate ourselves to do anything. We laze around our house and we binge on Netflix and Cheetos. We want to be contributors. We want to make a difference. And at the same time, we want a break. We want a moment of peace, but it feels like we can't get it. So why such vacillation? Why such confusion? Or consider back in 2015, there was a feature article in the New York Times on the uh, retail giant Amazon. One employee noted about the work conditions in Amazon this way. 
You walk out of a conference room and you'll see a grown man covering his face. Nearly every person I worked with, I saw cry at their desk. Dina Vicari, a former employee of the retail giant, added, I was so addicted to wanting to be successful there. For those of us who went to work there, it was like a drug that we could get self-worth from. But then Noel Barnes noted, after working there for nine years, she mentioned the repeated saying, quote, Amazon is where overachievers go to feel bad about themselves. As a recovering overachiever, I get this. Humans want to be a part of something big, something important, and so they sacrifice their souls at work. But then we do this quick vacillation back to amusement and pleasure and entertainment. So way back in 1985, a book that you all should read, Neil Postman wrote a book called Amusing Ourselves to Death. And what Postman did is he looked at our entertainment, television-loving culture, and he penned the book. And one of his uh, quotes that stood out to me, he writes this. When a population becomes distracted by trivia, when cultural life is defined as a perpetual round of entertainments, when serious public conversation becomes a form of baby talk, when, in short, a people become an audience and their public business a vaudeville act, then a nation finds itself at risk. Culture, death, is a clear possibility. And this is why Mother Teresa, after seeing the Western world in Britain and America, said, I think people in the Western world are poorer than the poor of Calcutta. Over in work, overindulgence. Is there any hope? I would say the Bible presents to us hope in the form of the Sabbath day, which points to the more important reality, the Lord of the Sabbath. And so what we have in this uh, section of Scripture in the Gospel of Mark is two interactions about the Sabbath day in the first century, and we get to learn what Sabbath is from the Lord of the Sabbath. Those of you who are unfamiliar with the term Sabbath, the word Sabbath is the Hebrew word for seventh, seventh day. It's also united to the word rest. Uh, the fourth commandment given from Mount Sinai was to honor the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You shall do no work, neither yourselves or your slaves or your manservants or your women servants, even your beasts are to get a day of rest. The day is to be a day to anchor our soul to God and restore our body in his creation. But understanding this idea of honoring the Sabbath is not as easy as we might think. And so what we have now is this encounter with two different philosophies on the Sabbath, controversies between Jesus and this group of people known as the Pharisees. I want to look at their disagreements under two headings. First is, what is is the essence of the Sabbath? What is the Sabbath? What is this day? What is this essence? What is its character? What is its heart? And then out of it, the second passage, I believe, gives us what is the aim of the Sabbath? What is its purpose? Let's dig in. What is the Sabbath? What is its essence? Now, in this first incidence, we have Jesus' disciples getting caught red-handed, actually grain-handed, on the Sabbath day. 
Verse 23, Mark 2. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some of the heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful, keyword, on the Sabbath? What the Pharisees saw were lawbreakers, violators of God's commands. Now, to understand the situation, we have to remember who are the Pharisees. The Pharisees are per- people who are set apart to, to obey God's laws. But let me give you a little introduction to their history. Where did they arise from? Well, you have to go back from the first century about 300 years. And about that time, there was a, this uh, thing called the Maccabean Revolt. And what occurred in the Maccabean Revolt was uh, some uh, bad outside agents uh, were... Uh, desecrating God's city and God's temple, and these holy, faithful, law-honoring, non-Jew-hating men arose in the Maccabees. And they were faithful, and they honored God, and God preserved them, and God kicked out the bad guys. And since that moment in history, people celebrate Hanukkah to remember God blesses faithful, obedient, God-fearing Jews. And so what arises out of the Maccabean revolt are Pharisees. They're going to call all Jews to be like the Maccabees. Will you be God-honoring? Will you be God-fearing? Will you be God-obeying people? Because when you do, the bad guys get kicked out. We win. And so these Pharisees, they look around and they see the Romans and they say, how are we going to get rid of the Romans? And out of their good heart, I think, maybe misdirected intentions, but good heart, they're sitting there going, we got to get everybody to obey. We get every single person to obey. If we're faithful like the Maccabees were faithful, Rome will be gone. And so we need to be lawful. And so in order to be lawful, then they built this little fence around the clear commandments of scriptures, but they built a little fence just so that you're two or three steps away from law-breaking. So Bible says, honor the Sabbath day by resting, not working. So let's explain what not working means. You can walk a mile, but not two. Right? They say, if someone is, has a life-threatening injury, then you should provide medical care. But, you know, if it's a boo-boo, wait for the next day. If a beam from your house gets all wonky and the house is about to fall down, you can fix that. If the roof is leaking, wait for the next day. So they had created these, this little system, and one of the systems was you're not supposed to work, which means you're not supposed to uh, harvest. And so they see disciples plucking grain on the Sabbath day, and they're like, oh my goodness, they're working. And if they're working, God will continue to bring his judgment, and if God continues his judgment, the Romans will stay. And so they look at Jesus, and they're like, oh my goodness, Jesus, they're breaking the law. We've got to stop them from doing this. Now, pause and think. What do the Pharisees believe is the essence of Sabbath? Based on what they're doing, what 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 would they say is the heart of Sabbath? In short, they believe the honoring of the Sabbath is about meticulous work to usher in God's mercy. If we're meticulous in our obedience to God, 
he will send down his mercy and the Romans will be gone and will be free. Do this, don't do that, so that God will be good to us. And now Jesus responds. And he's going to teach them what he believes is the essence of the Sabbath. Let's look at these verses again. Jesus answers in verse 25. He says to the Pharisees, he really gives them three answers that culminates in one idea. Answer number one, have you never read what David did? King David, the great, this king in Israel's history, did you see what he did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and he ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priest to eat. Notice he uses their word against them, lawful, only for the priest to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. So Jesus is saying, all right, Pharisees who know your Bible and your commandments, let me remind you of a story. King David, well, not yet king, just David, anointed, not yet promoted king, but anointed David. He's on the run from this King Saul, who sees David as a usurper and a threat. David flees. And some men go with him. And they get out of Dodge quick. And they don't have the provisions. And they show up outside of God's house. At that time, God's house was the traveling tabernacle. And they get in there, and guess what? Every Sabbath day, 12 loaves of bread are set out for the priests to eat. And David and his men, they eat some priest bread. And they fill their bellies. And in the context back in the Old Testament and throughout the rest of Scripture, there is not a whiff that David did anything wrong. It was good. It was wise. This was God sustaining his anointed king and the men. This is what God does. Could be what God's doing right here. God's sustaining his anointed and his men. But it's okay. And Jesus gives another answer. He says there in verse 27, he says, friends, (laughs) the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, Jesus makes this move on a couple of occasions in the Gospels where he uh, wants to teach first century leaders how they should have been reading their Bible. The religious leaders, they want to look at a very fine point of doctrine or law, and Jesus says, can we step back and look at what God has intended from the very beginning? He does it in Matthew 19 when they talk about marriage and divorce, and he's doing it here on what is Sabbath. If you have a Bible, just turn back to Genesis, the very first book in the Bible, chapter 2, which are the big numbers, uh, and verse 2 and 3, Genesis 2, verses 2 and 3. Jesus is alluding to what was the Sabbath from the very beginning. Genesis 2, verses 2 and 3. Verse 2 says, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And then God blessed the Sabbath day and made it it 
holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. From the beginning, before there was any sin in the world, before there was any fall into sin, God said, here is a day set apart for holy rest. Later, the law will come in because of sin and transgression. But even under the law, God invites this Sabbath day for our good. If you read in Exodus chapter 20, the first rehearsal of the Ten Commandments, the fourth commandment is, take this Sabbath day. Why? Because God created uh, the world in six days and rested on the seventh. And if you turn the Bible a few more pages to Deuteronomy chapter 5, when he, he repeats the Ten Commandments, on that occasion he says, remember the Sabbath day. Why? Because you were slaves in Egypt, but now you're free. This day is for you, people who have just been created and need to enjoy creation. This day is for you, redeemed people of God, so that you can remember that you were slaves, but now you are free. So God wants to give humanity a day of rest. There was an Anglican bishop by the name of J.C. Ryle, served uh, mostly in the 19th century. This is what he has to say about the Sabbath. He says, but the Sabbath is God's merciful appointment. I love that. What is the Sabbath? It's a merciful appointment. Is it on your calendar? The Sabbath is God's merciful appointment for the common benefit of all mankind. It was made for man. By the way, do you know what that means? Right? It's not that God created the Sabbath and then he kind of wedges humanity into the day. Right? It's the idea is God made humanity and then he created a day for us. It's designed for humanity. Right? We don't wedge ourselves into the day. The day is given so that we can delight. We can remember. We can pause. He goes on to say, It was given for the good of all classes, for the laity quite as much as for the clergy, It is not a yoke, but a blessing. It is not a burden, but a mercy. It is not a hard, wearisome acquirement, but a mighty public benefit. It is not an ordinance which man is bid to use in faith without knowing why he uses it. It is one which carries with it its own reward. It is good for man's body and mind. It is good for nations. Above all, it is good for souls. For one day out of seven, God says, cease from your labors, rest from your work. Sabbath means stop. Literally, (laughs) stop. Peter Scazzaro was a busy New York City pastor who had a burnout. One day his wife let him know, I'm going to start looking for a new church where the pastor is a good pastor. He went on a bit of a spiritual odyssey. One of the things that he came to realize is he never Sabbathed. Later he would write, On Sabbath, I embrace my limits. My God is God. He is indispensable. I am his creature. The world continues working fine when I stop. My wife midweek, said, Matt, you're going to Sabbath this week. I have unfinished projects. 
that I see everywhere I look. Because when you're putting down a wood floor, you see where it is not finished. Right? And when I finally stopped yesterday, <laughs> and I, two things. One, I realized that my body hurt everywhere. But I didn't notice in the midst of the work. I was setting myself up for a pretty nasty, nasty, nasty injury. At this point, I just have a little bit of a painful knee. Right? Sometimes when we're working, we think we're fine until we have a heart attack or yell at our kids or drink ourselves to peace or binge television watch to take away the angst. And yet God holds out a day, worship the creator, enjoy creation, pray and play, be still and know that God is God. The Sabbath is a gift for humanity, for their freedom and joy. It is not a prison with jailers and regulations. And this is why Jesus gives that last little line at the end of chapter 2. He looks those Pharisees in the eye and he says, So the Son of Man is Lord of Sabbath. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. This is a bomb drop. Son of man is the recurring expression that Jesus uses for himself. And so what is he saying? He's saying, I'm Lord of this day. This is my day. And these are my people. And they're having some of my food. You can rest. Jesus is the Lord of rest. And what he's doing is looking at the Pharisees and he's saying, you Pharisees are trying to work for rest. You think your performance is going to bring peace to Israel. And Jesus says, I am the Lord of Sabbath. I am the Lord of rest. I am the Lord of peace. And I am the only one who can give it. Sabbath was a gift from the beginning and because the Lord of the Sabbath is a giver and eventually Jesus dies to give us life as a gift his day. This is why in Colossians chapter 2 verses 16 and 17, you can turn there if you want, Colossians 2 16 and 17, Paul is not happy that the church is fighting about the Sabbath day. Like when to have it and what to do and how much, right? But he says, therefore, verse 16, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. Verse 17, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. I don't know much about science. Most of you know that. But this is what I know. Shadows are the result of something solid. Right? And what Paul is saying is the solid truth is Jesus the Sabbath is a shadow of the reality, which is Christ. And so when we look at the Sabbath day, and we're enjoying this day of rest and pausing and remembering God as creator and God as redeemer, we're supposed to not stay in the shadow. We're supposed to look for the substance. And the substance is Christ, the Lord of rest, the Lord of Sabbath, the Lord who dies on the cross to give peace for souls, that all who trust in him can be right with God. Paul writes, wrote Romans 4, chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, 
those who have been justified by God through Christ have peace. Your performance doesn't bring peace. Jesus' performance brings peace. Jesus says it is finished on the cross because he did it all and we receive peace. So what is the essence of the Sabbath? It's gift. It's a marvelous gift of God not to be worked for. And every Sabbath is a point, a pointer. It's a sign pointing to Jesus saying, he is Lord of the Sabbath. We cannot work for our salvation. It has to be given. It has to be received. Pastor Tim Keller explains the Sabbath this way. Thus, Sabbath is about more than external rest of the body. It is about inner rest of the soul. We need rest from the anxiety and strain of our overwork, which is really an attempt to justify ourselves, to gain the money or the status or the reputation we think we have to have. Avoiding overwork requires deep rest in God's finished work for your salvation. Only then will you be able to walk away regularly from your vocational work and rest. The essence of Sabbath is about receiving God's marvelous gifts. The greatest gift to be received is the Lord of the Sabbath himself, Jesus. And yet the day is just another manifestation of the pure mercy and grace of Jesus. This is day is for you. Receive it. We don't meticulously honor the Sabbath to merit mercy. The Sabbath is mercy without us doing a single thing. The Lord of the Sabbath saves by grace without us doing a single thing. Remember, the Pharisees think the Sabbath day is about work, even though they're saying don't work. That's the irony of all this. You're not doing the right things, disciples. And Jesus says, you just don't get it, do you? It's a gift, because I'm a gift giver. Trust me. So will you receive the Lord of the Sabbath so you can have rest for your soul? And then will you take the day that God has given to point to Jesus? As a day, as a gift day for you, a mercy day, a merciful appointment. But I don't want to stop there because this next encounter goes from the essence of Sabbath to the aim of Sabbath. The Lord of the Sabbath is creating a Sabbath people. And what are they to be like? So all this is brought home in this next scenario. Chapter 3, Gospel of Mark. So it says, another time, Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. And some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he, he would heal on the Sabbath. Man, these people do not know what it means to rest. <laughs> what is he going to do? Let's get him. Some people listen to sermons like that. Don't do that. Just enjoy the gift. I'm not joking. It wasn't in the manuscript. That's for you. Just receive. Listen the next day for the heresy. It goes on and he says, 
They were watching. Verse 3, Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. And then Jesus asked them, which is lawful? Key word again. That word could be just as easily translated. What is necessary? What is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they remained silent. And he looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed. I love it when Jesus gets angry. Because he gets angry about the right things. And sometimes we should get angry about the right things. He's angry. And what does he say? He says, deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, and he says to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and the hand was completely restored. And then the Pharisees went out, and they began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. How they might kill Jesus. Now, remember, the Pharisees believed that medical care can only be provided on the Sabbath day for a life-threatening issue. And a man with a long-term shriveled hand, he can make it to the next day. What is Jesus doing? Jesus, however, does not think Sabbath is about rules and regulations, but, right, it's a gift day. It's a day for goodness and a day for life. And he says, I'm going to do good, and I'm going to give life. That's what we do on this day, because this day points to me. He doesn't even have to touch the man. Just the man puts the arm out, and it's like already, it's restored. Now, Jesus' action, however, leads the Pharisees to start plotting Jesus' death, and they feel justified in the action. They think Jesus is promoting the violation of the commandments and the ongoing violation of the commandments will mean the ongoing opposition and occupation of Rome and Israel. We got to kill this guy. And so the religious leaders, they go find some political leaders and says, let's get this guy gone. This will be mutually beneficial for us. So let's ask, right? What's the aim of the Sabbath? What is Jesus want? What does Jesus think is necessary on the Sabbath? Answer, it's right there, to do good and to save life. That's the aim of the Sabbath, to do good and to save life. And what he's doing is he's teaching that this is Jesus who is Lord of the Sabbath, and he's also teaching us if we're going to be people who believe in the Lord of the Sabbath, we should be Sabbath people. We should be those who do good and save life. God gives his people rest so they can go out and offer rest to others. God mercifully saves so that we can mercifully save others. Now, I want you to begin to see this, how the Sabbath then is the antidote to both overwork and overindulgence. First, For those who overwork, the overachievers, Jesus says, the world you live in is not about you. You are not a human doer. You are a human being made in the image of God. Life is not about doing, but about being, about being in a relationship with God, a relationship based on grace, a relationship founded on the rest Jesus purchased on the cross to bring peace to our souls. 
And each Sabbath day is to serve as a reminder. You can rest. You must rest because you are creature, you are creature and he is creator. You must rest because he is redeemer and you are the redeemed. You cannot work enough to bring the peace only God can give. You can't work enough. Got to receive. Have you received this? But, this is the key too, to those who are tempted to overindulge, know that the Sabbath day is not about being lazy and selfish. It's not about becoming a self-seeking hedonist. God's people, those who have found rest with God, now go out seeking to bring rest and goodness and life to others. In fact, I believe for those of you who want to do real good, sustainable, enduring good, you embrace the Lord of the Sabbath and the Sabbath day. You will be more humanized than ever because you will be more humbled and connected to the Lord God. For example, some of you know the historic member of parliament named William Wilberforce that fought for nearly 50 years to see the total eradication of the slave trade out of the British Empire. Tirelessly. If you've seen the movie Amazing Grace that shows a little bit of his life, the man nearly died laboring. And yet... Later upon reflection, he would declare this, quote, Wilberforce declared that he could only attribute his own power of endurance to his regular observance of the Sabbath day. He remembered that he had observed some of the mightiest intellects among his contemporaries fail suddenly at last, and their possessors come to melancholy ends. And he was satisfied that in every such case of mental shipwreck, the true cause was neglect of the fourth commandment. So by way of application, let's think this morning about this subject. First, I want to remind you that since the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Lord's people have celebrated the Lord's Day as their set-apart day of rest. It was shifted from the Saturday, the Jewish Saturday, to the Lord's Day Sunday. You see that as early as in Acts 20, verse 7, where it says, on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread, which we'll do in a little bit. Paul spoke to the people, which is what's going on right now. And because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight, which I will continue to as well. So too, in 1 Corinthians 16, Paul instructs the believers to gather on the Lord's Day and to give gifts for the contribution of dealing with poverty and famine going on in Judea. We actually know from an early uh, church father by the name of Ignatius, who died in the early part of the second century, that the apostles no longer celebrated the day of rest on Saturday, but on Sunday. So if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, that he has died and he has resurrected, this is, a, this is the Lord's day. And we are to take it as a Sabbath day, holy unto the Lord. And we celebrate the day of rest to remember the God who gave us rest through the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus Christ. So let's just start with the first question. Have you embraced the essence of the Sabbath? And the second one, have you embraced the aim of the Sabbath? 
First question, talking first to the overachievers in the room like me, can you set aside one day out of seven to rest from your labors? A day to quit performing, quit impressing, just be, just be with God, just be with God's people. Let me encourage you, don't fret too much about, is this work, is this not work? You'll know. And if you don't know, your spouse will know. And sometimes, I mean, that's a little dance in our relationship. I'm not working. Sure feels like you're working. We all feel that you're working. (laughs) Would you please stop working? Don't fret, but do ask, what is it? And parents, if you have kids... Is a soccer game work for your kid or rest? Does this allow their soul to rest or does it feed something that you want to not be fed? These are things you discern with your kids and discern and teach them and make judgment calls and find out you're wrong and make a new plan, right? It's not, remember, the Sabbath is not a prison. It's a gift. It's not about rules and regulations. It's about remembering. And yet, is it a holy, set-apart day under the Lord? And so some of the rhythms in this church that you are not bound to because you are under the new covenant, but some of the practices that we think are good for your soul is to gather to worship, to sing and to pray and to remember Christ at his table and through his word. In the summer, we're eating picnics. I think celebrating God's creation is a great way You are not obligated to come to the picnic, but you are obligated to love and enjoy the God who has created this wonderful world today. That sounds so miserable. I got to eat good food and drink nice drinks and celebrate with people I love. Yes! What a great God! This is what we get commanded to do. Stop working and enjoy God, his creation, his deliverance. We invite you back here tonight at 630 to pray with God's people. You don't have to, but I think it's a gift. What, is the, what do the gifts look like? You're going to have to do some thinking personally and with your family. If you're an overindulgent sort, if you are on that side, I believe that Sabbath keeping can help us too. First, it teaches us there is a time for rest. One day out of seven. Thus, there are six days to work. And not just any sort of work, but work that is for good and to grant others life. I've seen people who surrender their lives to Jesus in the area of Sabbath, they become extremely productive people. Because if we brace the rhythms that God has made our bodies, you won't find yourself doing what I found myself doing, particularly early in my youth ministry days, as I never Sabbathed. And so I was exhausted every night by about 7, 7.30, and I watched TV for the next four hours. Or I'd play every, check every app out on my phone about every 13 seconds. Why? Because your body needs something, and so we, we take the candy instead of the nourishing good of Sabbath, pointing to the Lord of the Sabbath. Sabbath invites us to rest, and then it sends us out to work. One of the things I love about creation is God creates the entire world. Adam and Eve, the pinnacle of creation. You know what they had to do day one? Nothing! We think Sabbath 
is I work, 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 and then I crash. God created the world that you rest to work, which, by the way, is the doctrine of Christian salvation and sanctification. You are rested, justified, safely in the kingdom of God, and then you work. You don't obey to be saved. You obey because you've been saved. That's in Genesis 1 and 2. It's like the whole Bible's about Jesus. Friends, receive the gift. Friends, share the gift. When I was in college, there was a mid-50s man by the name of Ron Shimkus who studied the Bible with me. He encouraged me. He pointed me to Jesus. He gave me a vision for the kingdom. Ron had been a missionary on several college campuses in Kenya and Lithuania and actually died while serving Jesus in Zimbabwe in his early 60s. Ron honored God, but after he returned from Lithuania, the organization he worked for said, Ron, we see some troubling signs in your soul. You need to take an extended Sabbath. And as it turns out, it was a 12-month sabbatical off the mission field and serving no college campuses. He needed to rest emotionally, physically, and spiritually. He needed to have a gut check on if his religious duties had trumped his own need for transformation. He had to restore some brokenness in his marriage and relationships with his kids. Friends, when I reconnected with Ron about 18 months later, I met a man who knew the Lord of the Sabbath deeply and personally. It came out in his kindness and his softer tone. It showed up when he returned to the mission field in Zimbabwe, and he began making sure AIDS orphans had love, education, food, and water. He worked tirelessly to ensure the jobless had jobs. He knew the Lord of the Sabbath, and thus Ron spent the rest of his days doing good and saving lives. God has a name for the Sabbath to make us a Sabbath people, but it flows out of the essence of the Sabbath, Jesus gives rest for our souls. Let me pray, and then Alex will lead us through the supper. Father God, we thank you for the gift of Sabbath, this holy day of rest that points straight at Jesus Christ, the one who gives rest for our souls. And the people in this room are just like me. One day, well, not even one day, half the day I overwork and the next half the day I overindulge. Half the week I overwork and then half the week I overindulge. I'm, 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 I'm fickle, I'm, I'm, I'm distorted, my soul is in disarray. And yet when I walk in the grace of Jesus Christ and receive gifts like Sabbath, you humanize me. And I'm, Lord, I know that that's the gift that you want to give people today, that they would just humble themselves under God's mighty hand that they would come to Christ to know him as Savior and Lord as the only one who can bring rest for their souls. That today they've qu they'd quit performing and just receive the peace that comes through the grace of Christ. And then I do pray that as we know the Lord of the Sabbath, we would be Sabbath people. Help us to do good and save lives. Not in our strength or power. We're, that's the whole point of Sabbath. We know it's not about us. But you would use us. Thanks for your grace and the goodness and the cross. Amen.